Okay, another edition of the 35th and Jackson podcast, the fans' perspective on Oregon State athletics, none of that other garbage that might be out there. We're picking it up off of exciting weekend where the Beavs took it right on the chin, 52-7 to at the hands of Utah, the mighty Utes. Uh, so we're going to lick our wounds, get back after it. Uh, just want to mention that today's sponsor is actually Utah Football because they now own this broadcast and everything else that has to do with Oregon State. So thanks, Utah. All right, let's get after it. So, like I said, 52-7 to lost. Andy joined, as always, by my friends, Con and Brat. What do you guys think? Any Anything to take away from that game other than wanting to throw up? I will say, I was just talking to Brat about this. It's That was the most dominated I've seen a Oregon State sports team in my lifetime. Now, I was talking to uh, the legend Phil about this, asking if that was the most dominated he's seen. He definitely agreed with my lifetime, but in his lifetime, he referenced some times where the Beavers couldn't even snap the ball correctly to the quarterback. And so they were, they just literally couldn't snap the ball. So it it wasn't as bad as, yeah, it wasn't those dark days, but you know, Utah is a good team. All the credit to where the credit's due. I don't even think the Beavers played that bad. There weren't any glaring mistakes that they made or, or dumb calls or, real mess ups they just got beat by a superior opponent at every position and it was depressing to be there but at the same time afterwards it you know you flush it down it wasn't a we shot ourselves in the foot we lost this game we could have won this game no it was nothing like that we never had a chance uh after i i i was disappointed one thing i will say i was disappointed in our offensive line um, very few adjustments in the game and Blake Brandell. I mean, I love the guy, but he was getting destroyed by number six on the edge market. I don't even know number six's name, but if you go and watch the film number speed rush, speed rush, bull rush, speed rush, every single play he's getting owned. And that's supposed to be our best lineman. So the difference between this and what I've seen in the past is yeah, their offense is okay. I mean, when you're playing against Oregon State's defense, you make you you look amazing. But the the difference on their defense is they are fast and they have team speed leveled up. Um, in the past, they've always been that big, strong, huge team, but can get beat on the edges and whatnot. But they there's none of that. They are so fast. They rally to the ball. Best defense I've seen in a long time. I think this could be the best Utah team since. Um, Urban Myers days. I mean, I think Con wrapped it up so well there. I agree with the the biggest disappointment being the offensive line. Brindell was getting just owned over there. Kipper with I don't remember how many false starts and offsides, or I don't remember what the heck was happening yep. with him. Uh, I mean, it started off just rough. With I mean, we started we wanted to establish the run, and we went one yard run, negative one yard run, and a sack. I mean, that's just a rough start to a game. Uh, I agree with Con in the sense that they were the better team. We probably weren't going to win that game. I do think we might have had a shot, um, and I was a little disappointed in our ability to tackle. Um, I think of just the Moss 91-yarder where he just boinks right off of Wilson or Hicks and New. I don't remember which one, and goes 91 yards. Jalen Moore looks like he's you know running in quicksand trying to get after the guy. Uh, it was it was kind of sad to just see our defense miss tackles repeatedly, and then on the opposite end, as as Connor said, their speed is outrageous this year compared to previous years. And like normal, they don't miss tackles. They they get a hand on you, you're going down right then and there. There's no falling forward. There's no breaking it. They're going. You're going down. Um, and so they completely own us. I hope they're contributing to the 175 million on the what is that the east side of Reeser. Uh, rebuild, but we'll see. Uh, yes, thank you very much for that, Brat. And, um, you know, he was uh, fitting us in today for all of you out there. He's actually a house dad 
in Corvallis of a fraternity, and he has to get to uh, some hazing function or something. So he'll be dropping out <laughs> shortly. But thank you for that wonderful analysis, Brad. We always do appreciate it. Uh, as for my thoughts, uh, you can tell from the open, pretty disgusted. Um, I don't know. I'm not ready to say that that was the worst beating of our lifetime at Oregon State because I think that's that's – uh, selling us short as fans of the bull crap we've sat through. Uh, there's at least 10 in contention uh, in the last five years alone. I mean, we have seen some things that you can't unsee. Uh, I mean, I go all the way back. What was it? 2013 against Washington. That was the week before the civil war where they destroyed us with Siler miles or whoever was starting. That was disgusting. Um, Gosh, the Civil War two years ago what was that sixty nine to ten. I mean, don't let the don't let the goose egg on the scoreboard that donut uh, until we brought Jebia in and they were playing their walk ons. Fool ya. Uh, there's been some bad ones. That one was terrible. Gosh, um, let's see uh, the Washington. What what was that forty two to seven a couple years back? It's let, let me oh. I I agree with all your points. Those are wow. Now I want to jump out this window. Um, but <laughs> the when I say dominated, I haven't seen a we we could not run anything we wanted in those previous games. I think Oregon State just frankly played horrible, and just you were like, oh wow, we are horrible, and this team that's not that good is beating us. Like that's yeah. really bad. This is the most overmatched. Like we we were trying to run our stuff. We were trying to play correctly, and we actually didn't have, like I said, that many mistakes. But Utah is just that much better than us this year, and that is what I mean by dominate. I haven't seen a team just completely shut us down like that in my lifetime. Not self-imposed. Utah did everything right. We did everything. We tried to do everything, but we couldn't do anything against sure. them at all. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I would also say, I mean, we just go back to Ohio State. I mean, you know you didn't belong there. I would say Utah, we should, they are better and superior, but not what the scoreboard reflected. There were some just ridiculous. I mean, they, the Beavers were trying yes. to move the ball, turned it over. That pick six was brutal. Um, one that was actually kind of fun, I, I keep going back to Washington because they've kicked the hell out of us several times in the last decade. Uh, but one that is very fun is when we started um, Mitchell at quarterback, Nick Mitchell. Um, and I remember that game. You guys were there. I was not. Um, Washington did not throw the ball in the second half. That's how bad it was. They were, I believe they were up by 35 at half, and they actually did not attempt to pass, maybe one in the second half. And they basically turned the second half into like a, it was like 20 minutes of real time. It was so fast. And they just they ran the ball. That that was the, one of the more degrading ones, too. I mean, I, I will agree. And Connor ha- does have one positive takeaway from this game. Connor, do you remember what that is? My, I, I mean, there were many emotions that I had during this moment um, that I can't say on, on the pod in my lower region. Um, but when, when Shoe Care just rode the pine on that, quarter field goal and we we trotted out Everett Hayes who the hell is Everett Hayes okay we trot out him and he knuckleballs a 50 yarder and it's not even close <laughs> then we have the audacity to say hey F you again shoot care we try Everett Hayes on the extra point and he nails it so I would just like to say although these negatives brought is right the positive is is that Niner has the stones to bench a guy, even though he's a senior like that. I mean, yeah, obviously Shuker has been really inconsistent, but <laughs> yeah, he, he has the, that's an understatement, but he has the, the guts to bench a guy for somebody that's not even really that good. Uh, but is it like clearly Shuker can strike the ball better than Hayes based on what we just saw, but he's still going to bench him just because he hasn't produced. I love that. That, sure. that gets, that gets me going in so many ways. Um, oh, it's great. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that's, that's one good takeaway. That's, you know, nobody's got a job set in stone. Still, uh, still have to earn it. So that was refreshing. That was long overdue in most of our opinions, I'm sure. Um, one other thing I wanted to make, the note I put down just watching the game, because I, I literally I want to forget about all of it. And uh, 
I had nothing positive to take away from that. It was just bad day and move on. But one thing I did think was very fun about that was it looked, it honestly looked like, and I, I asked you guys this in the group text, did Utah have our playbook? I swear they did. There was nothing that fooled them. No misdirection, no well-timed screen. They were in our face no matter what play. It looked like when I was like a kid, I used to go like on Madden and I would set up a game and then use two controllers and play both sides. And then I would just put the defense <laughs> exactly how I wanted This looks like they were doing that to the offense. Like just, okay, we're going to pick this play. And then you just put your defense right there for the big hit. That's what it honestly looked like. I swear they had our plays because well, and, I, there's no yeah. other way to explain that. They, they're nothing. They didn't hesitate for a second on anything. And usually Oregon State's pretty creative. So I'm like, whoa, red flag. Definitely had the playbook over there on the Utah side. Yes. That's right. I'm saying I definitely mean, they cheated. Utah was on a bye and coming off that. And one thing I noticed, and we tried to do it, and actually – on the pick six, it was supposed to be a screen to Tyjon Lindsay, and he was wide open. There was nobody within 10 yards of him. But I watched the defensive lineman, and if anybody knows anything about football on a screenplay, basically the O-lineman is, show, is supposed to show his hands and then drop them and then get out. So he's supposed to almost count 1-1,000, show your hands, drop them, and then get out on the screen. And that's supposed to fool the defensive lineman into rushing up field and then get him upfield, then throw the screen. We we tried to do that, and and Blake Brandel tried to do that, and literally the defensive lineman he he didn't even flinch. He exactly. just stood there. Exactly. He stood there, and he was like, "Oh, it's a screen, obviously, obviously." And he didn't because even we knew go that when upfield. we broke the huddle. So it it was it's a combination of yes, Andy's right. They had our playbook, absolutely. <laughs> um, but also, I mean, they're just extremely well coached, and that's what a well coached team does. They yeah. they. Say, okay, third and six or third and eight, and we've been rushing the passer. Okay, they could run a screen, and that's in their, their defensive lineman. They know it. So yeah. it, it was just shocking. If you want to go back and see what I'm talking about, it's on there. It was also on a running back screen, and it did the same thing. And we just had to throw it into the ground. It's the coaching that is unreal. And then, you know, we just got down and tried to throw the ball, and so they could just pin their ears back and, oh my gosh, we could not protect. I don't even think. You know, all these delusional fans still say, you know, throw in Jebbia right now after Luton was the national player of the week. <laughs> he didn't have actually that bad of a game. He just had two seconds to throw. I, and that was that would have been generous. Yeah. And it, and it's like, what are you supposed to do when you have zero running game? And that, that was disappointing. Just yeah. zero, our running game disappears. Well, you know, we do what we could on quick slants and whatnot, but it's like you can only run quick slants so much when you're not playing NCAA football 14. <laughs> so there you go. Yes, 100% agree with all of that. I'll tell you who was showing their hands was Utah's defensive line because somehow they batted like 15 balls on our 6-7 quarterback. Yep. I agree yep. with everything you said. That's that's one – that's honestly the one – because I've been a big supporter of Luton when, when people have kind of been down on him and – questioning him even you know going back to the beginning of the year and all that i think he's he's done pretty great overall obviously like just just look at his his numbers and all that he's he's done a pretty good job the one thing i can't figure out then is how does he get so many balls batted at six foot seven how are you throwing into people's forearms and elbows that that baffles me um so if that's getting nitpicky but it was far from from the only problem so We'll move on with that. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, some things on the injury front. Um, just quick notes on that. We had some announcements this week, and we can elaborate on that. There's uh, Jefferson, you know, still ailing, but it sounds like the plan is to get him healthy and, and bring him back for the stretch run this year. It's kind of what I thought from the start. I didn't really see him redshirting just because of the talent there. And honestly, he's so good, he might leave after next year anyway. So what does that really preserve? Um, but – big news with Bradford, Trevon Bradford, who we've been talking about all year. Um, it was announced that it, the intention is to actually redshirt him. And that would kind of make sense. He, he might be it just, a, there's no reason to just play him, trot him out for, you know, six games or whatever. If he wants to come back. He's, he's not like a lock for the NFL or anything at this point. So he's got a year. He wants to come back. He can still play in four games this year. So that'll be great. Maybe he'll have like 12 touchdowns in the civil war. I'll, I'll look forward to that. Um, and then some other injuries, uh, but 
you guys can kind of speak to that, uh, what you saw on the injury front, what your thoughts are. I'm not yes. I'm not surprised by the Bradford uh, red shirt. I think that's the best move. He still gets four games. We have six games to play. Yep. Keep him healthy, get him back for another year. It's going to be incredible for us. Um, the other injury front, I don't know if there's much on it, but what the heck happened to Avery? Where'd he, where'd he yes. go? Uh, yeah, no, no. That. That's practice that week. Yes. And then he was just not playing. Uh, don't know what what's up with that. We could right. use him and Tago back. He also didn't play. So yeah. I'd be kind of curious if it's a, just a one game, keep him healthy, or mm-hmm. something else bigger. I mean, there hasn't been any rumblings out of the press conferences or anything else. Yes, that's an excellent point. I had that in my notes, too. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I was like, wait, why is he on the sideline? And Doug Damelow did not play either. Um, and he's in their rotation for middle linebackers. And – you know, it's just both. Those are two just big physical guys, and you, you could tell. I mean, I, I will say Avery Roberts hasn't shown up besides the UCLA game much in the stat book, um, but he's he's a he's a blocker eater and he's a leader in the middle of that defense. Um, and he he's kind a of punch that too. <laughs> and he's uh, he's just that leader, and he's that that center of that defense that. Um, is just a stud there. So it hurt. And, you know, all signs point back to him being back for uh, Cal. And another thing, uh, not a, as much injury front, but just quit the team. Omro Hicks, Onu, number 10, just quit the team on uh, Wednesday. No, Tuesday, yesterday. So no loss there. It's actually a gain for that many Beaver fans don't understand that we're actually gaining. Um, without having him on the field because, oh, my gosh. And I'm hoping there was something internal where a coach just said, hey, you're not playing anymore because you're trash. And he kind of got hurt and then just said, oh, I'm by, I'm gone by, you know. I'm hoping that's the case so that David Morris can get some more playing time because one thing that's baffled us here at 35th and J is how David Morris can play on every special teams but can't play safety. Uh, I don't know if he wears a protective boot or uh, maybe the um, the uh, bubble wrap around his foot is only good for ten plays. So they put him they put him on special teams and then the bubble wrap's gone and then he's done. Who knows? But he needs to get on the field more. Just an athletic body and a speed body. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, those are all all. Interesting points. Yeah, you said that was, that was the big news coming out yesterday that uh, Omar Hicksonu has left the team, and uh, Nick Deschel's words actually quit. So something's going on, went on there. I'd be curious to see how that all went down. But ha- hasn't had a great year thus far, anyway. And yeah, I mean, sure, there's coaches have a reason for it, but would like to see David Morris getting those safety reps more. I mean. It's hard not to think back to the bright spot that he was two years ago and what he's capable of. I mean, he he's had injuries holding him back, and who knows where he's at now, but you'd like to at least see him given a chance there. Um, so we'll kind of see how that stuff shakes out and, and how it goes uh, moving forward. But uh, it is also big news that, that Bradford, I want to go back to that, is having him uh, – going to get in some games this year I think is great and might help him immensely down the stretch just having that second threat um, at receiver and then you know with how they've had to been forced to kind of develop guys behind him a little more that would do a lot for this offense and um, also help out his his buddy Hodgins too so that'll be nice having him down and then knowing that he's going to come back next year um, also it's big news and, and good for the program going forward. And one other thing I just – this was brought up uh, yesterday. I was listening to something. And it, it is just a huge bummer that Andre Hughes-Murray, Addison Gums, and Jeremy Reichner are all lost for the season. Pretty much yeah. didn't play at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Those are three D linemen that – oh, man – it just three D linemen that, and regardless of what you think of Andre Hughes Murray, he's a strong body. He can semi maintain an edge if he's a defensive end, if he's expected to be a defensive end. Addison Gums was supposed to be a freak. He was a freak the first game, then he couldn't play anymore. Uh, and Reichner is going to be a starter. So those are three starters that you're missing on a critical position 
that is not a position of strength. And it just, it's, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, injuries are part of the game, but that sucks. hundred mm-hmm. percent. That's it is. It's a bummer. I mean, anytime you're trying to claw your way back into relevance, that's what it's about rebuilding this thing. And the depth is certainly better than a year ago. I think that goes without question, but it's a bummer that it has to be tested so much because it's still not where it needs to be. Yeah, And yep. like you said, at a position of need, it does. It, it does suck because you're just like, can they just get a fair shake? Like if they just at least had their best bodies out there, the guys that were projected to be starters, like let's roll the dice and see what they are. They're not going to be, you know, a, a top 10 defense in the country, but I, it would help them immensely. And you, you wish that they had had that opportunity this year. So uh, we'll switch gears a little here. Um, you know, we would usually do our uh, game brought segment, but uh, none this week uh, because Utah pulled up to the grill and stole them all. So no game brots when you get it uh, 52 to 7 beat down. Um, I think, Con, you were going to give one out. Who, who was that going to be to if you were allowed? Well, I was going to give it to uh, Niner That's for uh... – okay benching shoe care for making shoe care taste the pine so but you know <laughs> niner doesn't need a game bro he probably would deny it anyway so he just he just will move on and shoe care will never see it down for us again he'll, he'll be our kickoff specialist there how about that okay <clears throat> perfect um and then brought did uh, touch on this a little bit but uh, also the big news of the week is the research expansion um is set to be complete tentatively in 2023 um, tell us about that, Con. Yeah, so, you know, it's been a long time coming. Uh, the stadium needs to be finished. And, you know, Scott Barnes has blown a lot of smoke of studies and this and studies that and feasibility and, you know, all this just BS talk. Master but facilities it, plan, Con. Yeah, there, there you go, Andy. Uh, but I think this is an encouraging sign. You know, I, I'm not a huge... I don't think the stadium's that bad, okay? I, I this That side, at least, I've sat there multiple times this season even. I don't think it's that bad. I think there's worse um, out there. And I don't, I, I don't know, you know, contrary to what our recruiting expert, Andrew Nemec, thinks, a, a player doesn't care about the stadium. They, they care about their locker room and their experience that they're going to have. The stadium is not an abysmal stadium. It's a mediocre stadium right now. Granted, will this make it better? Yeah, I'm sure it will. But, you know, if we can't put the butts in the seats, it doesn't matter. So, you know, the, the thing that made me mad, though, I, this, this is still frustrating me. Why are we redoing the visitor's locker room? What is the point of doing that? We're, we're creating a new visitor's locker room that will probably be nicer than ours. And we're going to eliminate them coming from Gill Coliseum down the ramp and having drunk people named Phil, who's not actually drunk, but the Redcoats think he is. And we're going to eliminate that razzing um, yeah. down the down the Reeser ramp there. And and that's a that's a token of playing at Reeser Stadium is you have a horrible visitors locker room in Gill and you have to yes. walk across. I mean, I mean, it's I think it's a tradition. It's a great tradition. Absolutely. And we're just eliminating that. And I don't like that. I don't like that the visitors are going to have nice things. I don't like that. I don't want them. I don't. I want them to just not want to play. I like so, that. you know, it, that bugs me a little bit. But, you know, I do think it's smart. From what I can tell, I think they're going to actually repurpose some of the old or some of the east side that has been redone into a few different things. Because, you know, Scott Barnes has talked about this, and I will give him credit. This is smart. Having some – a form of revenue being generated from the stadium year round to have it be a meeting space, an office space, whatever you want to call it, some sort of thing that they, I think is his vision so that they can make some income off of it to pay for it. Cause it's going to be 175 mil minimum. Um, and you know, unless we're going to a Rose bowl next year, it's going to be tough to uh, raise those funds right away. And, you know, it will be fun though in 2022, when after we groundbreak, that whole 2022 season will be, I believe, a, we won't have that side of the stadium. So we'll have the, you know, constructed stands each game, which our stadium might look full if, if that's the case. So we might have a full stadium come 2022 by, by pure luck. 
um, in that regards. I would also like to point out one positive thing is they, they've said that the concourse, you'll be able to do a classic 360 around the whole stadium on the concourse, which would be a nice addition. Mm, yes, that is nice. Uh, you brought up a lot of good points there. I, I share a lot of the same sentiment on all that. Uh, my thing, though, is I think it would be fun if we if they went ahead and played home games in Avery Park in 2022. That would be great. Um, I think it would be fun. Definitely could pack that place. Uh, make it nasty. No turf or anything. Just straight mud. Uh, so that's my vote. And then your visiting locker room point, uh, very solid analysis there. Could not agree more. That's what the beauty of sport and especially college football and and all that because, yeah, I, I'm the same way. I want the opponents to have the worst possible experience imaginable. Uh, yes, lock them in the basement of Gill with the – rotting dead nutria and rats and and moss and just nasty mold lock them in there that's what i want and then have them get all cold and wet and damp and walk across the concourse to a incoherent babbling old man that happens to be connor's father yelling things at him about tattoos they have or haircuts he doesn't like or that their tag is hanging out from their pants i like that that's the beauty of it, and that's what makes it special. Don't give them a nice locker room where they need to feel even more at home. I mean, I've had hard enough time beating anybody there anyway. So why not make it a little tougher on them? At least keep that element. Uh, but no, now we just have to get we have to go all soft. So I, I agree with you there. That's not my favorite part of it, but yeah, it'll be nice to have uh, that addition kind of complete the stadium. It's been talked about for a long time with very little action. I do believe they painted their railings on the other side one time. That looked nice. Fresh coat of paint. Um, but other than that, yeah, it'll, it'll be nice to put it together. It's not that bad. I like Racer. It's got character. I like that it's different. I don't like I like that it's not just some shiny, gross, like futuristic cereal bowl that the Ducks have. That's really stupid it's built on a landfill for those of you who don't know that's a little known fact that Austin stadium is built on a landfill and (laughs) one day it shall return to that landfill um but it it just like people talk about this like such a great place it's it's not again this is my bias speaking but it's just this it's very just kind of this chromey little bowl thing that has it doesn't have any character to it. it's very generic just looks like kind of like a little spaceship, generic spaceship thing. So whatever. I don't need that. I like Reacher. Uh, it's chipping paint and it's, um, you know, rotting uh, foundation. I like that. And also there was a uh, discovery of mammoth bones in the end zone. So that's also cool. Hopefully we find more of those in the construction. Anyways, uh, you know, we're, we still got a game coming up this next week. Oregon State will be taking on Cal um, you know that's that's going to be another tough game you're going to see another great defense another team built around their defense Justin Wilcox has, has built a pretty strong beast there um, so what are your thoughts on that game Con going forward this weekend 11 uh, 30 kickoff yeah Andy you uh, you hit it on the head they are known for their defense um, and it's surprising because Bo Baldwin a uh, con favorite has Mm -hmm. done absolutely nothing with their offense and they have their backup quarterback who i by the way is horrible and and i say that meaning that their starting quarterback was bad too but their backup is horrible he can't throw the ball more than five yards so if this is the week for the beaver defense to show something you know this is it you know because this is by far the worst offense we're going to play for the rest of the year so, I mean, it's not even close, actually. And, you know, they had, a lot of people say, oh, their defense is just as good as Utah's, blah, blah, You know, no, it's not. They have a solid defense, but the speed and tackling of Utah is elite. I mean, I'm talking Alabama elite from what I just saw. Cal's defense is good. Great unit and probably second or third in the Pac-12. Um but they don't pose that uh, domination factor that we just experienced. So, you know, 
it's going to be an interesting game. Like Andy said, a morning kickoff, you know, we'll see how that affects everybody. Uh, but it just, you know, we'll get to predictions later, but all of a sure. fun one. Um, yeah. And um, it's just going to come down. It, it, the Beavs have to show up on offense. I mean, they're, they aren't going to win yep. any games with their defense, but I think their defense is at a level where, where they're not just going to completely lose the game. Um, where the offense doesn't have to score every time. They just have to score every other time they have the ball. Um, but it, it's just going to come down to – and kind of like we said, you know, obviously this was a pipe dream. But kind of like we said last week, if they can force a special teams mistake, special teams touchdown, pick six, whatever, some big play by the by the non-offensive unit, um, then, then they will have a better chance. Because, you know, I'm not going to hang 35. I will go to the grave right now saying Cal will not hang 35 <laughs> on us. So, you know, they, they may hang 31. Maybe that's a little <laughs> prediction, a little tease. But uh, they're not going to hang 35. So, you know, what have you seen, Andy, when you've seen I, – I know you've probably – have you watched more Cal games than me? I've only watched that disgusting game that they played against Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think? Yeah, same kind of thing. They're absolutely built around their defense. I, I, I really respect what they have on defense. They're legit. Um, and I have watched them a little bit here and there. Watched a good chunk of their game against ASU. Watched a, a lot of their plays uh, uh, on, on the defensive side of the ball against Washington. Um, watched that fourth quarter of the Ole Miss game. So, yeah, their defense is legit. And I also do want to point out um, – that is it uh evan weaver he is an absolute yes, beast stud. stud you you watch the tape he just looks like a really he just looks like a throwback like 1980s bully in a movie like he just hates everybody out there and he doesn't look like it he kind of looks a little bit puffy and weird build for a linebacker but he and i think he's number 94 yeah, or something he wears, like that yeah, i think 90 yeah. 98 or something like where's weird number looks out of place out there but he flat out just ta- he's in on every play making every tackle that guy is the real deal so it's gonna be tough sledding it's gonna be another challenge and, and after last week um I, I remember going to the utah game i had said i want to see how oregon state's offense response because they're going to come they're going to hit adversity that utah defense is good same thing um can they bounce back this week after what they showed um against utah because they're going to come after you cal's going to hit them in the mouth they're going to you know get them out of their game at points can they respond well last week oregon state did not they went down to the mat and never got up um so i will be watching that again um and then Connor said, Andy, this, did, but, "Did Cal beat? Did Cal beat Arizona State? By the way, um, no, they did not. That's when Garbers, Chase Garbers, their starting quarterback, got hurt. Got um, it, it was a, it you. was a really good game. It was it was a neck and neck battle, and Garbers went down, and uh, Arizona State capitalized. And, and Arizona State's another pretty solid team and with a good defense, so they they took advantage. Uh, but honestly, yeah, Cal, the way they play, I mean, they showed it on the road at Washington. That's nothing to joke about. What Finishing off Ole Miss on the road. I mean, they are a good football team. Yes, right now with this backup quarterback, I mean, doesn't look great, honestly. Uh, not good at all. But they are still going to be physical with you. They're still going to try and run the ball, impose their will. And then he's going to look to make plays where they, where they, where they can and um, take advantage of those opportunities. So we'll get into, like Connor said, the predictions and, and kind of going off that, yes, about the ASU game and all that. But just a quick uh, synopsis on the Pac-12 as well. Uh, we kind of skipped over that. But um, it was an interesting weekend. Obviously, we have to own up to the fact that Oregon made us look really stupid and they just destroyed uh, Colorado. So we'll own that. They win this week. Still don't like them, still don't believe in them, but they did look great against Colorado and uh, shoved that in our face. And uh, honestly, it looks like Oregon, Utah, ASU, and Washington, when they feel like it, seem to kind of be the the teams to beat in this conference right now. Um, and I say that because it's just so wide open and week-to-week things change so much and very little consistency, but those teams seem to 
when they put it all together, being a little different at a little different level right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I still will not give Oregon credit because Colorado's not a good team. Uh, I thought I will say the Oregon defense seems uh, like they are not frauds like the rest of their team uh, because Colorado does have a solid offense. And the fact that they just, I mean, it wasn't even, a, it, it was like playing it. It wasn't even playing a video game. It's kind of hard to play uh, defense on NCAA 14, but <laughs> it, it, it was a dominant defensive performance um, that they put out there. Colorado's defense, you know, but they're equivalent to the Beavers. So, oh, cool, you scored 45 points at home. You know, means nothing, to be honest. Uh, and I will say, you know, the tight end, Jacob Breland, he's out for the year. So good for us. That's all I'm going to say about that. And um, Matt Dong. But, uh, but, but Colorado, mediocre at best. I mean, the Beavers beat them last year. Let's not forget that um, on the road. So – uh, with what they play four quarterbacks that game. So, you know, this week, you dub, you know, all the, and it's interesting. And this is a little peep, but the, the Vegas line is the ducks by three, which I'm kind of shocked that it's that low considering the dominant perform. I, I'm shocked as far as I thought Vegas would be dumber. And put the ducks yeah. more like plus ten, plus seven, you know, in there, because um, they had just beat up on a team in Washington. Kind of, I mean, they looked a lot better in the second half, but they kind of eked it out. So we'll see after this weekend what the performance is like. And then again, I would just this is your weekly reminder that it doesn't matter what Washington State's record is; they own Oregon. Okay, they own them. And nobody, nobody, the ESPN, Pac-12, Rip City Radio, nobody is even remotely thinking of Wazoo right now uh, as a challenge to the Ducks. They're just dismissing them as, oh, well, they're they suck now, whatever. They're not even they're not even mentioning them in possible tough games the Ducks might have. So. When that happens, I believe it's in two or three weeks. Yeah, I was wondering, is that two weeks? Uh, I, I can't remember. When Wazoo does what they always do every year and kills the Ducks, you can go back to these podcasts and be like, wow, those guys were wrong about the Colorado game, but they had been calling the Wazoo game every single year, and the Pirate can't, can't replace them. So – just like to put that out as our weekly reminder. Yes, they have lost five games in a row to Washington State. Don't forget that. Um, but yeah, you're you're right about that. Interesting. Um, and you go, you went with the lines. Yes, we owned last week. Uh, sucked, Connor. You did a you did fine, but um, I I don't remember what broads were. But mine, the time I decided to get in on it, I was dumb enough to take Hawaii coming off the islands at Boise State, thinking they would cover. That did not work out. Um, so that's dumb. I was obviously wrong on the Oregon Colorado game. That was dumb. But Connor, what you looking at this week? I know a lot of us are going to have our eyes on, especially as Pac-12 game outside of the Beavers, will be that Oregon Washington game. That's what we're all looking at. Yeah. So I would just like to say Ohio State covered again, and <laughs> Central Michigan covered against New Mexico State, just like go. I said they would, uh, and Wisconsin as yeah. well covered so yeah cons undefeated um this uh this season and and i think i even mentioned maybe that i was i was a little bit disbelief i wasn't willing to commit to it but i was in disbelief of andy's call on the on the hawaii (laughs) boise state game which it was actually shocking because i Boise State's QB got hurt and was out for the whole second half, yet they still rung it up. Yeah, he was he um, was hurt for sure. I saw it. I don't know so, how bad, but he did, yeah, I saw it when he went Yeah. So, lines I got for this week, um, again, it's Ohio State. It's a <laughs> lock. It's a Friday. It's 28. Yes, it's a Friday night game. Northwestern, horrible team. I don't care what anybody says. It's a lock. It's it's going to be 28. I bet you they win 56-10. I'm 56-10 is probably what they're going to do. I was I'm tempted to throw Wisconsin in there. 
Uh, they're a 31-point favorite at uh, Illinois, but I'm probably not – I mean, the over sub- on that? What would be the over on that? Ah, gosh. I, uh, I think it was uh, – I have to look at that, but uh, – it's, it's 51. So, 51 wow. would be the over on that. Ooh. I – I wouldn't take that, uh, but I would I would consider it. I mean, it's an yeah. uh, educated bet and you for think, sure. And you think uh, uh, Wisconsin will cover that thirty-one? I I'm not gonna put it down as my lock for the week, but I I'm gonna say it's put put that in your um in your parlay, <laughs> and you'll thank me later. Okay. So then then we go to my every single week. Uh, New Mexico State. I'm trying. To, I don't even know who they play every week. I just pick them no matter what, and it works. I'm trying to trying to get to them. I don't even know what conference they're in. No, I do. Uh, I think they actually might be on a bye now that I now that I'm looking at it. They might be on a bye. So that's not going to be a lock, obviously. Um, what are they? Are they no? Are they independent? No. Uh, it's interesting. New Mexico State, right? Because they're in the whack for all sports but they might be because they might be independent because uh, a lot of the whack teams don't have football like gcu's in that they don't have football um so i'm trying to figure out what conference they're in actually hmm. i i mean it really doesn't matter if they're playing this week uh whoever's playing them will cover i i promise you that um, and one other game. Oh, yes, on, they, are, they are independent. I can say that. With, I can confirm that. They are independent along with Liberty, Notre Dame, Army, BYU, UMass. Okay. That, yes, they, and they, they are on a bye. Yes, they week. are on a bye. Um, they play till the 26th against Georgia and Southern. Georgia Southern is going to be a lock. Georgia Southern is going to cover, and then they play Ole Miss. Oh, my gosh, whatever that is, take it. <laughs> That's going to be um, And then I was – I did have my eye on – there was a SEC game I had my eye on. Well, let's that check it out. that I think I can give you a give you a lock for. All right, well, let me read them off. Florida, South Carolina. No. Oh, it's this Auburn, Arkansas. Auburn, there it Arkansas. is. There it is. Okay. Yes. There you go. This Auburn, Arkansas. Auburn. Oh, I was at seventeen. Now it's now it's at and nineteen half. and a half. Yeah, I, I, it's. It's tough for me to put that in as a lock, but you know I'm a gambling man. So I'll put that in as a luck. Auburn Ooh. will cover that 19 and a half, even though their offense is atrocious. They are coming off. I believe they lost last week and they are going to a bomb. It's going to be a, I, they probably won't pass the whole game. So there you are. There you have it. Ohio state to cover. If you're in a parlay, Wisconsin, probably to cover Auburn, to cover against Arkansas and New Mexico State is on a bye this week. So, Andy, did you have anything from the Pac-12 you wanted to have uh, some no- action at? Nothing too wild, but I actually, as as inconsistent as they've been, I should have learned my lesson last week. I can't help it. I do think I do like this wa- this spread in the Oregon Washington game. Oregon minus three. Um, I look for uh, Washington to go ahead and beat that spread. And I think Washington wins. It's it's at it's at UW Husky Stadium. It's going to be rocking. And I think though they've been inconsistent, they still have the. I feel like they still have the bodies to line up with Oregon somewhat, uh, and you know go with that defense. And I don't know. I just think that style of play. That's what the Huskies can can do. That can get bloody it up in the trenches and make a game of it. And I think they're going to come out with a good scheme and at home, like I said, and, and win that game. Yeah. And I would, if anybody watched the Washington game last week, it was dangerous in their second half. They looked, their offense looked like it came alive. Oh yeah. So it, it is an interesting time that they are meeting the ducks because they, they look alive on offense. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. No, I, I think it'll be uh, interesting because you looked at the first half, Washington fans were panicking. They were ready to fire 
Bush Hamden at halftime, and they thought, "Wow, we have really taken a a fall here. This is this team is some. A lot of them thought they they were going nowhere. Might might not win another game. That's how uh, panicked they were getting. And then the second half happens, and they just absolutely put it on Arizona. Looked like a completely different team. So it'll depend on which team, and that's kind of the theme for the Pac-12 as a whole. But it'll depend which team shows up for Washington." But I do, I do like them in this game. Uh, they've got a bad taste in their mouth from last year. Again, it's at home, which means something in this game. Um, and I, I like Washington to find a way to win, probably be a close one. Um, other games, just glancing at them in the Pac-12, I'm, I'm, mo- I'm pretty much fine with most of these uh, lines. You've got, uh, we'll get into this too, but Cal's 10.5 favorite. Obviously, we talked about the Oregon-Washington game. ASU and Utah, Utah, 14-point favorite at home over ASU. Some people might think that's high. I, I honestly don't know what to make. Utah scares the crap out of me at this point in time, so I think that's fair, uh, especially at home, if they can, can continue on that trend. And, and Arizona State had a much tougher time with Wazoo than Utah did. Um, so. I actually think on, on that one, Andy, it was intriguing. I actually think people think it should be higher. But I think it's the Herm factor. Uh, he will shorten the game. He will keep it low scoring. Utah will probably win, but to, for them to be 14, I mean, I however, mean, Arizona, Arizona State, State has a freshman QB, 17. but they do have a freshman QB on the road at a hostile environment. So that, that one could go either way, but I would actually lean towards Arizona State covering because if you look at all their games – I want to say all of them have been one-score games, um, except that they blew a F- FCS team out. No, oh, yeah, they because that is the way Herm plays, keeps it close, limits the limit. I mean, it's very similar to his NFL style: limit the limit the possessions, uh, limit the times you can turn it over, sure. play great defense, and run the ball. So very, uh, very Pete Carroll Seahawks ish. Uh, so that's that's fair. Keep it close. By the way, go Hawks five and one. Love that. So we'll celebrate that. Mm. Pretty fellow Seahawks fans out there. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of a look at the Pac-12, where it's at. It's, it's again, just a lot of parity this year. No clear dominant team. But we're going to start to see some pretty fun games down the stretch and, and starting with Oregon-Washington this weekend. That'll go a long way in kind of seeing how the North shakes out and, and what's where those teams are really at. Um, so definitely anticipating that one. Uh, so let's jump into it as we kind of – wrap it up uh let's get into our predictions for the cal game con what do you have you were you were teasing it so i'm curious to see what you got it's gonna be 31 to 28 (laughs) the 31 28 but i think the beavers get to 31 (laughs) don't ask me how they're gonna get there because yes i'm aware that goal um, that was a kiss of death when i did this last week but it's going to be 31-28, and I do think the Beavs get there because, and we saw it two weeks ago, and I think I even predicted it, Jonathan Smith's teams, his offenses on the road play, they play exceptional. I don't know why. I think they, they have a lot more scripted plays in the beginning of the game. I'm talking their first 20 plays, I believe, are scripted. Um and they, they know how to expose weaknesses. I mean, Brian Lindgren's a great offensive coordinator, a great mind. And, and him and Smith together, they just know how to exploit teams' weaknesses. And it was it was telling um, at the post game of the Utah game. I hate to go back to this right now. <laughs> but no. both Smith and especially Jake Luton uh, magnified. They said both Utah has no weaknesses. We didn't know what to exploit. Every week we can exploit people's weaknesses, but Utah has none. So I think the game plan was, okay, we'll just try and run our best stuff. Can't do it. I mean, there's nothing to game plan around because they had no weaknesses. So I don't think that's the case with Cal. I think I think they can exploit some stuff, um, especially in the ground game. I do think Cal's defensive line is – they're solid. But they're they're not gonna bully us. I'm hoping, uh, like Utah did. So I think we can get some stuff going there. Get the play action pass. Look for a lot of heavy sets from the Beavs. But I think we do pull it out 31 
28 on the backbone of our offense and Cal's offense not being very good. I mean, oh. 28 points is will be an extremely good game for them. And, of course, you know, they're playing the Beavers, so you have to uh, <laughs> yeah. put that in there. But what, what are you thinking, Andy? Yeah, I like it. I'm definitely, with everything in me, really hope that one comes true. I, I need that. That would be huge just to bounce back with a win, get a second conference win. We'd be feeling a lot better uh, after that. For me, I just – a couple things here. Uh, Utah, uh, Utah, I can't get them out of my head. I'm seeing them in my sleep. Cal's defense, very solid, like I mentioned. They're the real deal. They might be a little quieter, uh, not as much flash and just like, whoa, plays, but they are really good. Can't stress that enough. It's the exact type of defense that – could give Oregon State trouble. Um, And like I said, I didn't like the way Oregon State responded to a a tough physical defense Mm -hmm. last week. They just, they, they went down to the mat and stayed there. It was, it was awful to watch. So there's that. Yes. Cal's offense to me isn't very scary or very good. The Beavers have faced better offenses to this point. Um, But also I feel like I'd be doing them a disservice because two weeks ago when they went down to UCLA, I picked them to lose. Of course, they won. Uh, I think that might be the recipe. So I'm going to do my part for all you Beaver fans out there. And I'm going to say Cal 27, Oregon State 14. Ooh. Pains me to say it, but I think they need hey, that. Hey, thanks for taking that hit, Andy. Yep. Yes, they need that. They need that. You're doing your part, just like you said. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking at. That's what I feel like. Um, that basically is what we're at. 11.30 kickoff, Pac-12 network as per usual, because we'll never be on a big network at this point until we can start winning consistently. So uh, be ready Saturday. Um, all you Beaver fans making the trip, get loud, get rowdy, make them hear you. And I hope there's more than 10 of you. And uh, we will see you next week. Before we let you go, I want to let you know this week's podcast, as I mentioned at the top, brought to you by Utah Football, because they now own everything Oregon State related. So thank you once again, Utah. You're so generous. Uh, Connor, any final words? Just like to say, keep the faith. Niners building something. And... It's the little things. It's the little things. Some people notice them, some don't. The Trevon Bradford coming back for for another year. The red shirts that they get. The transfers that they get. It's the little things, people. It's the little things. Sign them a great coach, great program, great leader. Keep the faith. There you go. We'll see you next week. Go Beavs. Stick by stick. See you around. Go, go Beavs.